Today's series on fast praying part three, we're going to talk a little bit about post fast. And I talked a little bit about this with some people today on a a group thread text, but I want to share it with this church with some uh, commentary and some notes. But to give us context, what we're going to go through, we're going to go through some scriptures in the book of Esther. And we talked about Esther and her fast. In my opinion, it's the hardest fast that I've ever been a part of is an Esther fast which is three days, no food, no water. I've done 40 days twice with no food. I've done 21 days, 14 days, seven days, etc. But the most difficult fast I've done, a seven-day water only is pretty tough, but a three-day removing water and food, an absolute fast, is absolutely the most intense fast. And this is what we're reading from, is when Esther went to fasting with her and the nation, and what ensued here. So I want to read through some of these verses to give us context. The Jews are slaves, okay? And uh, Haman is ready to kill all of the Jews. He got an official uh, order from the king to give permission to slaughter all the Jews. It's A-OK. It's just like kind of like uh, opening pheasant day. You can go until you reach your limit. But there was no limit in how many Jews you can kill here. It was just terrible. But it was, going to be, it was going to be legal, and the king could not undo it after he was manipulated by Haman. That's how much Haman hated the Jews, namely Mordecai. But we're going to go to Esther chapter 4, verse 13, and read through here in the New Living Translation. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat. Do not drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. And in your notes there, fasting typically precedes and promotes urgency. When you find someone in Scripture fasting, there's usually something urgent attached to it. That generally seems to be when we find ourselves fasting. You find casual fasting or lifestyle fasting from the Pharisees, and that's not to say a weekly fast is a bad thing. It is a good discipline. But more than often in the Scripture, when you find someone fasting, something is of urgency. And if you are facing something urgent, you should consider fasting. Now, Esther did not preach what she was not willing to practice. It's important to see it. She wasn't just in her ivory tower saying, okay, all you common people, you fast. But here, I'm in the pulpit. I'm the preacher. I'm the ruler. Whatever. I don't have to. You do the work for me. That's not how it works. It goes from top to bottom if you want to look at it in that uh, uh, lens or view. But I hope if you're ever going to minister, you practice what you preach. Amen. So she too went to fasting for three days 
in three nights without food or water. Then we go to Esther chapter 5 and verse 1 after this fast. We see Esther putting on her royal robes and she enters the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king's sitting on his royal throne. He's facing the entrance. He has his eyes set to see who is going to approach his presence. And so Esther is standing there in the inner court. And the king welcomes her. He holds out the gold scepter to her. And Esther approaches and touches the end of the scepter in verse 3. The king asks her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Wow, that's incredible. Fasting is only part of the process. What good's a fast if we do not present ourselves before the king? It's important that we do fast in seasons of urgency. But I hope we do more than just, you know, fast. I hope that we make up in our minds, I'm going to find myself in the presence of the king. I'm not just going to fast about something. I'm going to present something to God. I'm going to let him hear my voice. I'm going to let him see my consecration and my sacrifice, but I'm going to let him hear the cry of my sacrifice. And would you notice at first Esther is hesitant when we read a few chapters earlier to enter into the king's presence. But something happened when she fasted. She boldly approaches the throne of the king after fasting. Fast praying post fast presents us differently before the king's presence. We're not the same individual when we're fasting. And we're definitely not the same individual when we fast and when we pray. When those two things collide, when those two disciplines collide, a disciple is being birthed. A disciple is rising when those two disciplines collide. When you practice prayer alone, you can only reach so far. But when you pray fast, there is an added dimension and a realm a person is permitted to walk through. A door is opened up to us when we begin to pray and fast. Esther 5, 3, the king says, what is your request? I will give it to you up to half the kingdom. Jesus is the king of the kingdom, and it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom, as stated in Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. God enjoys giving us the kingdom. But at the same time, he just doesn't give it to everybody. You know, Brother Joe Campitella at camp last year, or I believe he spoke at the youth camp, he made mention that, you know, revival is not grace. Revival is favor. If revival was merely grace, every church would be in revival. But the churches that are in revival have found favor, and they found favor through consecration, and that's how they got that visitation. And so we find here Esther is being brought this question, what is your request? Uh, kings don't typically say, hey, what, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Whatever you want, I'll give you up to half the kingdom. Jesus doesn't typically say that to people. But it is his good pleasure to do it if you find his good favor. It's the good pleasure of God if we can find the good favor of God. 
Now, it's incredible to consider the unfolding of events that took place due to Mordecai and Esther's sense of urgency in the hour they were living in. They went to fasting and praying for three days. Look at that. Three days without food, without water. There's very few people that actually fast these days. And there's even fewer people that do an absolute fast. And even fewer people that extend to an absolute fast of two or three days. Now, with all of that in mind, now consider this. A whole nation in slavery went to three days of fasting. Slavery. They didn't say, you know what, I'm going to take a three-day vacation and fast so I can lay in bed and sleep all day and tell people I fasted for three days, but really they slept for three days. I've, I've met people, I've talked to people like, that's their fast. When they fast, they just lay in bed all day. That's, that's not fasting. That's sleeping all day, every day. You see a nation in slavery, meaning they had to get up because they had no choice. They had to go to work because they had no choice. And they gave themselves to that work without food and without water for three days. Sometimes I wonder if our excuses really are excuses when you look in the context of Scripture. Now, the, they, they, the nation could have celebrated that alone. Wow, we did a three-day fast in our slavery, in our labor. But they still would have been murdered if someone did not put their life on the line for the lives of others in petitioning before the king. Then the miracle of miracles happens. Suddenly, in one day, it all turns around. And the strong man of the region that opposed them and planned to kill them, Haman, who was granted authority to murder the Jews, he's now bound. And he now is hung on the very gallows he was going to impale the Jews on. And so here, no doubt, is a moment to celebrate. But they still would have been murdered if someone did not continue to put their life on the line for the lives of others in petitioning before the king. Because the strong man, even though the strong man was overthrown, and that is our goal, that is our prayer, as Jesus said, if we're ever going to spoil the strong man's goods, he must first be bound. Haman is now bound. We can spoil goods, but you must also know that Haman had followers, he had minions, he had subjects that carried the same evil motive, plan, and intention to destroy God's people. Someone say, pray fast again. All right, three people said it. Wonderful. Pray fast again. So in Esther 8.3, Esther went again before the king, falling down at his feet, begging him with tears to stop the evil plot devised by Haman, the Agite, against the Jews. Somebody has to go again before the king. You say, well, I already prayed about it. You need to go again before the king. Well, I don't, I don't like to bother God. Go again before the king with tears. I like this statement here that I got in your notes. Make your petition a repetition. Whatever your petition is, Make it a repetition. 
It, Jesus is the one that gave the parable of the importunate widow that would not let up. He said, you know, I would men ought to always pray and not faint. And he gave the parable of the same woman going to the same king with the same request until she got different results. The same woman going to the same king with the same request until she got different results. That sounds like a good equation to me. I'm going to be the same person going to the same king with the same request until I see different results. Somebody say amen. Now, fast praying is post fast. That's when you have fast praying after you have fasted and you are praying it is the approach after the reproach, or meaning after you afflict your soul in fasting, your post-fast prayer affects his throne. Okay, there is, there is an affliction, there is an approach, it feels as if when we are fasting. But man, once that, that is over, uh, God's about to change things and turn things around. Three days of an absolute fast is going to flat wear you out. Your body will need time to recover. But the hour's too urgent to simply rejoice and relax when there are relentless rebels that are ready to kill you. And uh, I, I made mention of this earlier today as I was talking to some folks is the fact that, you know, if, if you have, uh, I know some people have fasted here and there through the fast. But if you went on an extended fast, and when I mean, uh, you know, three days, uh, two days, those are, those are extended fasts. But when you go seven days or greater, and when you hit 14 days or 40 days, and, and, and then when you, when, when you do break the fast, incrementally, carefully, cautiously, uh, responsibly, okay, there's a responsible way to go about it. You know, there is, a, there is a joy, there is a surge of energy, you're getting sustenance. But what you'll notice after extended fast period, like you literally, you, you actually get almost groggy and slow and you get tired because it takes energy for your body to reactivate, reawaken, and begin to digest. And you'll actually find yourself weary and tired because your body is going into recovery mode. It's trying to, it's trying to recover itself, and it's very, very draining. No matter how much you beg the king for the battle and sin to go away. When we're reading this verse uh, in, in verse 3, Esther 8, 3, she went to the king, fell at his feet, and begged him with tears. you got to stop this. You gotta stop this. You gotta stop this evil. You gotta. You gotta overthrow this. This. This plot. This ploy. This. This evil plan. But no matter how much you beg the king, for the battle to go away, for sin to go away in this world, for death to go away from this world, from cancer to go away from this world, for the grave to go away in this world, it won't happen. We live in the world, and in this world, you will find troubles. In this world is evil and sin. It's set in motion. It's irrevocable. And the battle is here to stay until eternity ushers in. That is when all of this will change. But that does not make our fasting and praying in vain as long as we continue to pursue the throne of the king in fast praying or praying post-fast. Now, the authorization of a post-fast, we go on reading Esther 8.8. 8, and here's what we read. Now, go ahead and send a message to the Jews in the king's name, telling them whatever you want, whatever you want. You can tell them anything you want, and you can seal it with the king's signet ring. But remember that whatever has already been written in the king's name and sealed with the signet ring can never be revoked. 
Now, this, this, pay attention for the next couple moments. I'm going to hurry to a, we're just about done. If we go to the king with our petition, he will give us our message with his signature, or a.k.a. authorization, authority. That's what the king's signet is. It's his signature. It's his authorization. It's his authority. It's his seal of approval. A million-dollar check, if it put in your hand, that's pretty impressive. If you see someone write out $1 million and they place it in your hand. But without the signature to give the authorization to the access the funds, it's just a tease. That's all it is. It's just almost like, you know, you, you could read something and be inspired by it. But until you feel that God has signed it, until he signed that check for you, until you get that stamp of approval, it, that million-dollar check is just a piece of paper. I, and we read here in Scripture that that king says, okay, you say what you want. I'm putting my signet on that. I'm putting my authorization. I'm signing the million-dollar check. So when we boldly pursue the throne of the king and get the revelation of who he is, we will get the revelation of who we are. Look at Matthew 16, 18 and 19. Jesus said, thou art Peter. After Peter just said who Jesus was, now Jesus is about to tell Peter who he is. Upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Haman ain't going to win. The devil's not going to win. Whatever battle, whatever region you're in, the devil will not win. And he goes, I give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you bind on this earthly kingdom, I'm establishing that on my throne in my kingdom. And whatever you release and loose on this earthly kingdom, I'm going to let it be so and spoken and loose in this heavenly throne room. The king told Esther, tell them whatever you want. When you pray fast, uh, 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 post fast, you can begin to bind on earth and it will be bound in heaven. You can begin to loose on earth and it will be loosed. In heaven, you know, it's, uh, I, I, now I can't remember. It wasn't this past Sunday, but the Sunday before we uh, preached about I, I've come for thy words. A lot of times we we come to church wanting a word from God. But consider God comes to church wanting a word from us. The angel of the Lord in the book of Daniel said, I have come for thy words. We we want to hear God, but God wants to hear us. And look at the order that Jesus gave. A lot of us are thinking, God, whatever you bind in heaven, it will be bound in earth. Whatever you loose in heaven will be loose on earth. Is that the chronology Jesus gave? No. Jesus said, bind it on earth and I'll bind it in heaven. Loose it on earth earth and i'll loose it in heaven you speak the word here and i'll speak the word here you decree the edict here and i'll sign the edict here when we begin because he's given us a blank check what do you want i'll give it to you up to half the kingdom and so on earth i bind this in the name of jesus and so on his throne he says well i bind it here in heaven it's established for my throne room i set my seal my signal on it it goes forth and you tell the people whatever you want Jesus, I look, my king, I loose this on earth. And he's in heaven. He goes, okay, it's loosed in heaven. It's decreed. It's ushered forth. That's the order Jesus gave. Now, that doesn't mean you can just name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. That's just open game for anybody. No, no, no. It's for the disciple who has a revelation of who he is, who gives a revelation of who we are. And we are living a life of consecration and discipline. And now he gives us the authorization and says, you can ask whatever you want. 
because I trust you. You have been faithful over little. I'll make you ruler over many. That's the power of what happens when you live a season of consecration faithfully and responsibly exit it and begin to pursue the king on his throne. I feel the Holy Ghost here. This is this is good stuff. Someone say amen. Amen. Now, whatever you chain or release in fast prayer, post fast becomes the king's decree with his signature. Look at verse 11, Esther 8. Just about done. The king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite to defend their lives. They were allowed to kill, slaughter, annihilate anyone of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children or their wives, and to take the property of their enemies. This is such an epic scripture. The decree of Esther became the decree of the king. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. It's the power of fast praying post-fast. The decree gave the people of God authority in every city. This equation works everywhere. Doesn't matter if you live in the hills or in the valleys. If you live in the city or you live in the suburb or you live in the rural land, high population, low population, the north, the south, the east, it matters not to God. This equation is for everybody. And you will have that God-given authority in every city. The authority was not for superiority, but unity. I, I, God forbid anyone gets high and mighty and you get cocky and arrogant because you fasted till your belly button fell off and you went 82 days longer than Moses and you think, wow, now I'm like the, the grand poopa and I could do whatever, you know, spiritually. And that is not the purpose of fasting. Look at the scripture in, in here in verse 11. The Bible says the, the king's decree gave authority to unite. To unite. Not to usurp. It didn't give authority to divide. It gave authority to unite. And unity brings about that, that, group, of earn, that group of people there that were earnestly contending for their faith and for their lives. The authority had power over any nationality, province, regional attack that would come against them. Their children or their marriages. There are attacks against our children. There are attacks against our marriages. There are attacks against this church. But man, God's given us authority that those need, no, no deadly thing shall by any means harm you. I've given you power to tread on serpents. Again, doesn't matter nationality, province, or region. Doesn't matter if it's the North Territory, the South Territory, the Coastal Territory. This works. I, I don't buy into, well, you know, well, it's the north, you know, the northern hemisphere of the states. You know, they can't have revival because blah, blah, blah. I don't buy into that. We're going to break forth. We're going to unite. And we are going to have power and authority because the authority gave them permission to possess the property of the persecutor they prevailed over. If you can prevail against whoever's persecuting you, you can possess their property. I, I want to possess this property. 
I want to possess this region. I want to I want to bind the strong man and I don't want to just bind him and say, ah, I bound you hot. No, I want to spoil his goods. I want to rob him blind. Actually, no, I'll take the blind off and let him watch me rob him. I'm going to let him watch the souls that he destroyed in meth. I'm like, watch this, devil. Will he bind you in Jesus' name? This person's delivered from meth. Watch this, devil. You bound this person to alcohol, we release them in Jesus' name. Devil, you had this person bound to pornography, watch, we're pulling them out of your cage right now. And you, you watch, you, you saw this marriage being attacked, we're going to bring both the husband and the wife out in Jesus' name. That's the way it ought to be. There ought, see, if you don't get excited about any of this, my friend, you have yet to catch the vision of what God wants you to have. We should be excited about souls being saved and transformed and delivered. That's so incredible that God can do that for us in this region. I want to see it in Jesus name. We have the authority to possess the enemy's property. Now, here's the point I feel in the Holy Ghost that was put on my heart. And it's there in your notes and we're wrapping up right now. We realize what happened these past 40 days. We realize the attack that was on us. We realize why God positioned us where we are. We acted and we fasted. We gained the favor of the king. We overthrew the enemy's authority. But the curse of the enemy's law is still valid because he knew the decree of the king doesn't waver. Way back when in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, God ushered in a decree. A decree. He set in order the consequences of sin, a separating relationship of God and man. And now death ensued. The curse of the land ensued. All of that was set in motion. It's irrevocable. None of that is changing until eternity ushers in. But now there is an advocate with the Father. There is a there is prayer in fasting and grace. And now we can boldly enter into the throne room to obtain mercy and grace in time of need. We can bring our petition in repetition because we've been given permission. And now we can see God begin to give us authority over that which had authority over us. And when it comes to attack us, we say in the name of Jesus, get thee behind me, Satan. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. That's what happens when you get into this season of consecration and you add fasting to your prayer. And so the Bible or, or the, the point that I feel the Bible is drawing a parallel for us today is the Jews fasted and overthrew Haman or the strong man. But Esther didn't relax after that. She pursued the throne room of the king again. She until she was given authority to defend their lives and annihilate anyone who would dare attack them and permission to take the territory of any enemy that would try to do that. Hear me very carefully. The tendency of your flesh after the fast will be to relax. The spirit of slumber and exhaustion will come over you. Do not succumb to it. Your body, yes, it's depleted after extended consecration. That was evident just this past Tuesday in our prayer meeting. We kind of went through the, the groggy motion. You know, it kind of took a while to catch our footing. But finally, towards the end, there was a little turn in the prayer meeting. You may, this is my prayer, may the second wind that Esther caught get a hold of us in this phase of post fast and represent 
yourself before the king now that the enemy's authority is defeated and be granted authority from the king for what lies ahead. Because even though Haman, who the ruler, the strong man of the region was defeated, his followers were in a panic and they were going to regroup and they were going to attack because this would be their only opportunity to defeat God's people. And the easiest way to defeat people is when they are with their guard down, when they are in relaxed mode, when they are in entertainment mode, when they're in just recovery mode. But we need not to be in that mode right now. We need to have that guard up and we need to be ready for the enemy to regroup and reattack. And so we now go to the king and we ask him for the authority to annihilate any opposition that comes and to possess the property and territory of anyone that would attack our territory. Reading in Esther 8.11, the king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite to defend their lives. They were allowed to kill, slaughter, annihilate anyone of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children, or their wives, and to take the property of their enemies. In closing, the ruler of this region, I believe with all my heart, was defeated. His minions are in a panic. They will attack, but we will be alert, and we are authorized. We are authorized to annihilate any spiritual opposition that wants to cause you to relapse, that wants to mess up your marriage, that wants to attack your children, that wants to overtake you, I'm telling you, if we would just make our petition a repetition, we'll get his permission to prevail what we're going to come up against. Does anyone want that authority? Does, does anyone just want to win? Anyone tired of, of, of the enemy seeming to, to regroup and, and get us to retreat? You think that's what Jesus did on the cross? You know what? I think I'll, I'll, I'll give my life. I'll pour it all out my blood on the cross. I'll raise from the dead on the third day. I'll pour out my spirit so Christians can barely get by and they can be like like a dog returning to its vomit and going back and going back and going back and relapse after relapse after relapse. If that is your cycle, you, you, you're short-circuiting somewhere. And if you want to figure out the keys and the answers how to break that, I want to help you. Let's take time. Let's talk. Let's meet weekly. But desire without diligence will leave you dead in steps in your tracks. You've got to be diligent, as it says in Second Peter 1.10, to make your calling your election, sure. It, it, the ball is in our court. God has done what he had to do. We have to do what we have to do. Amen? Let's stand together. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, that our fasting will not be in vain. But, Lord, I believe it was invested for such a time as this. I pray we have an awareness. I pray our spirit is awakened, God, for the onslaught that lies ahead of us. But, God, we have made our petition a repetition. And, God, we've been granted your permission and authority and authorization. For when the enemy comes in like a flood, the gates of hell shall 
shall not prevail against the church. We shall overcome. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And God, we bind the strong man and we spoil his goods. And Lord, we are going to possess the property of the enemy that would try to annihilate us. And God, the church of the living God shall advance in this hour, in this region, in this moment. And somebody say in Jesus' name, amen.